You see, this is why deep down, we all love sports. Because even in a nation of puckheads, we can unite over a hoop and a bouncing ball. And right from the beginning, whether you were a doubter or a diehard, there has been a ton of talk. And oh, by the way, where respect has to be earned. So they worked and worked and worked some more. And like all those before them, eventually, finally, had to face the dynasty. Like the challenge. And yeah, no Durant. It's not going to play. But sorry, Kev. No one this side of the border really cares. Toronto, Canada, we brought it home, baby. told me to come out and play basketball. Because we are the North. And now, we are the champs. TSN 1050, the NBA champion Raptors live here. Well, we'll just jump in after that. I think, you know, that calls for two words and it's not happy motoring. It's yes, guy. Welcome aboard to Raptors Shoot Around, the championship edition. Jim Taddy with you until one. Matt Cause will take over. Then the boys from Overdrive will finish the day off. And, of course, Leafs Lunch won't be with us today for obvious reasons as we continue the celebration that's going to go on for quite some time. The parade, as you're well aware, is Monday morning at 10. Starts at Exhibition Place and winds its way to City Hall. We have a list of guests on our show today. Jason Fitz from ESPN will join us very shortly. Keel Augustine from NBA TV will jump in at 1020. Uh, later on, we have Steve Simmons from the Toronto Sun. Bobby Marks will stop by. He is an ESPN front office analyst, and so there is some business that the Raptors will deal with, and we'll talk about how the team was constructed and what lies ahead. Charles Oakley, the former Raptor at noon. Matt Cause at 1240. We have calls up. We're trying to set up. Are you ready for this? We're trying to set up a, uh, I guess, a celebratory Yes Guy, No Guy with O-Dog. So that's in the works. I have my Yes Guy, No Guy questions all mapped out. And in the meantime, let's just enjoy the moment. Uh, I will always be thrilled to be able to say, where were you when the Raptors won their first ever NBA championship? And I can say I was seated right in this chair that I'm in right now. And that will always be a, a privilege and an honor that I will absolutely cherish the rest of the way. This has just been an absolute thrill to be part of this assignment. Uh, that's my story. We'll get into that later on. At some point, we'll open the phones. But what a thrill that was last night to watch. Uh, it's like watching something come of age after all these struggles. Uh, for me, I would go back to uh, when I did the, the Raptors games in 1050 at the very start of this run. I remember that first training camp that we did. Uh, Rudy Gay was there, and JV would be off in the corner waving for the ball, and they wouldn't give it to him. And then Masai Ujiri uh, decides to make some changes. Rudy Gay gets moved out. These uh, cluster of guys from Sacramento get moved in, and suddenly the team has great chemistry, a great bench. Masai Ujiri admitted, didn't know the chemistry would be there. And I remember doing a game with Dwayne Watson January 1st, 2013, at uh, what was then the Air Canada Center. It was against the Indiana Pacers, and we were thinking that, boy, if the Raptors could just uh, copy that Pacers building model and, and be like that, and by gosh, they won that game. And that was on January 1st, 2013, the first legitimate win against a really good team that told us the Raptors might be on the way. And we're all well aware of the pain that followed. Good regular seasons, disappointing exits. And this year, there was just something about these guys. You just wouldn't bail out on them. And even going into last night's game, it it looked, uh, you know, it was going to be an uphill battle. You you knew it was going to go down to the end, and you wondered. And then... Clay Thompson goes down, and you go, well, opportunity just knocked. All due respect to an injured ball player, but it was the Raptors' moment. You could feel that, and there was nothing negative about it. They rose to the occasion, won, and they are the champions. What an absolute thrill. My man, Arad, the producer of this broadcast, is here. He's running on fumes. Arad, how are you? 
I am good, Tatman. Two hours of sleep. Wow. Lots of coffee, and I'm ready to go. Yeah, well, that's that's what you're saying. I mean, I saw you when I walked in and went, man, it's a good thing we have medical staff here. I mean, he's just absolutely worked out. Wasn't that a thrill last night? That was amazing. I mean, it was, well, you know, I'm here at 7 a.m. because we have a show at 10. Yeah. And then we went off air at about 3. But, like, I wasn't tired. It was just it was so much adrenaline in me that it just helped me move forward and work and work and work. And it was just amazing. Yeah, it's one of those things that it's such a joyous occasion. You don't want to go to sleep or, or leave it because uh, when you wake up, it might be over. But that's not going to be the case here. This is going to go on for days. Uh, this is not, as, as we detailed last night, not just a local Toronto story. It's a national story and a really f- good, feel-good story uh, in that it was, uh, you, you like the construction of this team. It's a very engaging team to watch. Pascal Siakam last night, 46 minutes and 26 points. And how many times did we go over this yesterday in things I said and, and things that our guests said? through questioning and, and their own statements about how this guy had to respond. And in classic Raptors style, had a nice conversation with Nick Nurse. The challenge was there. He responded. And that is really the DNA of this team. Uh, obviously, it's not a perfect team, but it got the job done. And this is a team that, that would never give up. They would reset after after a stumble, which is uh, one of those life lessons. It's a very engaging and, and uh, easy to identify with roster that way. Centered by Kawhi Leonard, the series MVP. And so you have the center piece and everybody else follows suit and last night I, I think you, you would you would absolutely pencil this in as a complete team victory and what a statement that is for the franchise and it was just absolutely great uh, to see the the presentation at the end of the game last night we're absolutely thrilled to be able to bring that to you live then it was a uh, to be part of a, a national breaking story a positive one mind you uh, there's no bigger thrill in this business really I mean that this is why you get into the business for that moment you you go through all those other daily things and I mean it's it's like it's like uh, prepping for a championship yourself. You, you just absolutely lo- live for the moment and love when it happens. Let's bring in Jason Fitz now. Uh, at Jason Fitz is the Twitter account, host of First and Last, 5 to 6 a.m. on ESPN Radio, co-host of uh, Golik and Wingo, uh, 6 to 10 a.m. on ESPN Radio. So he just got off the air. Jason, how are you, sir? Man, I'm not as good as you guys are. This is incredible. I, I hope that you are still up after an incredible night of partying. The only thing I can relate it to is I spent much of my life in Nashville before I moved to Connecticut for ESPN, and mm. I was there on radio during the Preds' improbable, improbable run to the Stanley Cup final. And I remember the night that they uh, won the Western Conference. We ended up staying out all night, and then we just went into the radio station and said, let's do a morning show. So uh, I can only hope that Toronto is, uh, is still uh, in the full party mode because this is an awesome moment. It, it is, in, in typical Canadian fashion. I want to know what you think of this, just because for us, this is a, a really interesting story in asset management, uh, rolling the dice on several key decisions, the players responding to a, a new head coach, and everybody understanding that when it didn't work out, you reset it and you find a solution, and they were very good at that. But in terms of how the, how the league would feel about the Raptors, what would that be? I think that this changes perception for everybody uh, and how you do business and and look let me let me say loud and proud i was wrong about this series i really thought golden state especially given the what i expected from draymond and boogie was to be able to sort of be an an imposing will uh, a bigger force and that just never happened in this series this isn't just about the injuries as much as people want to talk about that this is also about the team that played better basketball throughout the course of the series that is toronto so now every team has to look at it and say okay what is your leveraged risk versus reward? If you're looking at a one-year window where you think, man, I can go all in and win a championship right now, 
Is it worth it? This is the greatest example of absolutely. I mean, Paul George going to Oklahoma City was a bit of the same situation. They lock him in long-term. They locked him in long-term because Oklahoma City, in my mind, decided that they wanted to be relevant, not necessarily win championships. I don't know that that roster can win championships. This was a roll of the dice saying, hey, in an open East, can we go out and win it if we acquire the best possible player available, even if it's for one year? And, I mean, you, you tell me from a Toronto standpoint, but it feels like organizationally and from a fan standpoint, it's worth every ounce of it. And now every team has to look at it and say, well, it worked for Toronto. Could it work for us? Well, absolutely. You're bang on there. I mean, even the Kawhi Leonard story, which which is a an ongoing narrative, but it doesn't have the same, I don't know if concern is the right, but I mean, at some point, uh, I don't know if concern is the right word, but at some point he's going to make his decision whether he stays or he goes. But I think everybody's just so caught up in enjoying the moment that, that we'll sort of deal with that later, which is you know not normally the way those things play out. No, absolutely. And think of even in the process of that, what happened to the perception everywhere on Toronto, the basketball city? One of the great things that comes from a run like this is that the world gets exposed to who you are as a city. And the, the images of Jurassic Parks everywhere, the images of the parties and the scenes, and, and just how incredible it was to watch the experience around that arena, around the team. You can't tell me that that doesn't make everybody, not just fans, but even players that are looking at this. If Kawhi walks away and, and you're looking at the, the Raptors saying, hey, here's our sales pitch, all they have to do as an organization, is put on clips of what that fan experience is like and say, hey, do you want to be a national hero and play in this environment? That's a heck of a pitch, even if Kawhi walks, to get another free agent to come in. Yeah, and I'm glad you went down that road because, quite frankly, over the years, uh, knowing how the NBA is basically a top-heavy league and, and you know, if you can draft that guy, uh, then you're, you go on to bigger and better things. And I never thought the Raptors would ever get that guy. Uh, and then when Kawhi showed up, they, they get a championship. And now we don't the, – the city or, or the franchise never has to worry again about can we get that guy because that's what drives the, you know, the machine in, in the NBA. The guy's here. He won. He was the MVP. And if he leaves, somebody else will come in. That is no longer an insecurity. Well, and, and I, I'll go back to my experience around Nashville. The, the Predators, uh, and you know hockey well, the Predators were obviously considered a non-traditional market, not necessarily a destination. They went on that Stanley Cup final run, and the world saw what the experience is like in Nashville. That experience had been going on for a couple of years, maybe not to that level, but it had been going on. Once players saw it, now what's the conversation around Nashville? Uh, once the organization decided that they were ready to spend money and then they got the platform that allowed people to see the experience around being a Preds fan, it became a better draw for free agents to want to play there. And now, every year, the, the Predators are part of that conversation of a good place where great players want to go play. I think the same can happen for Toronto here where it doesn't become – I mean, if we're going to say, hey, the weather's – it's cold, whatever that argument might be about weather, and I've heard Trey Wingo say that before on look at Wingo. And, yeah. look, you can say that, but it's cold in Boston. It's cold in New York. And you can't tell me that Toronto hasn't shown the world, hey, come play here, and you can have sort of a lifestyle and a rock star status that's appealing to players. Yeah, I, I think that the lifestyle is certainly something that, that most people didn't consider. Those of us that have lived our lives here understood that, but it always seemed to be somewhat of a, a tough sell for NBA players. Uh, even back when we had the All-Star game, that the cold thing was brought out. And I just think that a lot of those um, things that would that were used as, as negative marketing, if you will, are now wasted away, and, and they don't exist, and the true story is out. And I look forward to what can happen. I like what you said about um, you know the, those tough decisions that the front office had to make. 
And so now there's a template there that if you don't have that star player, but you've drafted well and, and you have some assets, you can move them out and come back with a championship. That's a very relevant story, isn't it? Well, absolutely. And that's why I think the, the most pressing thing that the Raptors uh, eventually are going to have to figure out, and I don't think it's today, but over the next few days, uh, is the is keeping Masai Ujiri. And, and yeah. because you do have to look at the way this organization was built and what they've been able to accomplish. We're talking about the championship right now, and rightfully so, but let's at least acknowledge that this is a Raptors team that's been very good for the last several years. They ran into a wall known as LeBron. I think everybody in the NBA would be, uh, would be, uh, it would be difficult to get over that wall. But they, they have built a championship caliber team year in and year out. It's tough to imagine leveraging a championship caliber team to become a championship team. That's what Masai Ujiri had the, the guts to do. And, and that's what really has gotten the Raptors to where they are. I, I mean, I think that's why, especially because they are at a crossroads for so many different ways that the organization can go if Kawhi chooses to stay or go. Step number one is make sure that you've got Masai Ujiri. And if you don't, make sure you know who in the halls is going to step in and continue the culture that's been created. I mean, he is—he's uh, a big picture guy. He has the, the full look. You know, he—he he really uh, developed uh, some assets, not necessarily on the team, but on the uh, development league team. And, and the player development here was was second to none. And I, I think that uh, you know that certainly is the Pascal Siakam story, and a lot of the other guys that were drafted that were traded out. And I don't know how many NBA teams do that, but he had uh, like he had a vision that I don't think uh, a lot of people have, and that, that's to be commended. Well, absolutely, and I think that that's got to be remembered. You know, as much as the, the, it's easy for all of us to look at the, the reports, and I think uh, Woj last night said the Wizards are talking about $10 million a year and, and an ownership stake in the team. It's easy to talk about that, but let's remember who the Wizards are. They're a team right now that's trapped under some bad contracts that doesn't have an easy path to becoming successful again in a market where, frankly, no matter how good the Wizards are, I, I spent time in high school around that market uh, no matter how good that the Wizards are, they will never overtake the Redskins as the most important team in that area. They'll never rule that area. You know, you, for, if I'm Masai Ujiri, it's not just about money. It's also about where can I accomplish what I can accomplish at the, the highest possible level. If for some reason Ujiri decides to stay and Kawhi decides to stay with him, this is a Raptors team that can continue this role for the next few years. That's got to be appealing if the real goal for Kawhi and if the real goal for Masai Ujiri is championships, why go somewhere else? Because they are in a situation where they, they beat the best in the East squarely through the playoffs and they beat the dynasty in the NBA. Like you, You've got to look at it and say, we're capable of anything now. Yeah, I'm always interested in, in the ripple effect of things that, that turn out positively. And so, you know, if you're in a league office, regardless of whether it's the NBA or any of the other leagues, I mean, these people are looking for international money, sort of like a, expanding their global reach to have a national, you know, you know, only one team in Canada that wins and represents an entire country. Uh, and you could develop all kinds of different revenue streams. That's got to be intriguing. And I'm just wondering, you know, what, what the sort of the, uh, the side effect of that is for other leagues that are exploring different ways of making money around the world. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, sustained success for Toronto at the highest possible level will open the eyes of everybody, uh, especially, and, and it always comes back to this conversation, especially in America, the NFL is not stupid. They look around and they see where money can be made and they find a way to make it. You know, if, if the NFL-Toronto conversation has been one that's been, you know, sideburnered for a long time and it's a, it's a constantly sort of there in people's minds, and I understand that Buffalo uh, cringes when they hear it, hmm. But if there's an opportunity to expand and, and sort of take your, your brand globally, everybody's going to do that. I mean, that, that's, 
this is sort of the next building block in that piece. The NFL has never been shy about their love affair with uh, England, obviously, as they go back to London all the time and now Mexico City. But if we believe global expansion is, is part of the NFL's future, and most of the insiders I talk to do believe long-term that is, then Toronto will obviously be in that conversation, and, and rightfully so. It's, a, it's not just a great city, which, by the way, I've, I've spent enough time in Toronto. I happen to love the city. Uh, it, it's a great sports town, and, uh, you know, and I think that's just what the world is seeing right now. Uh, we, you know, there's a lot of good stories here. Masai Jerry, Kawhi Leonard, uh, anybody on the roster. The Nick Nurse story is uh, absolutely exciting to to be able to watch develop it. This guy is he's phenomenal, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And you know, this was maybe the gutsiest part of everything that went down. Remember the reaction uh, by all of us when you see a team fire a coach of the year yeah. i mean it is easy to look at it and say what are they doing and uh, is change for the sake of change a good thing those were all of the conversations uh, from nba analysts and across espn is uh, is change for the sake of change a good thing and then you look at it and say man sometimes you get the right guy to breathe new life in and, and it changes the perspective uh, on on an entire franchise that's what nick nurse has done and and to have done that when your resume isn't necessarily what we're used to from so many coaches. It just makes it special. And the, I, I think that's another, when you go back to the selling points that are coming next for Toronto, you have to look at the way Kawhi spoke about coach and, and spoke about the Raptors as an organization and their unilateral focus on winning a championship. I mean, every other player right now sees that, hears that, understands that, and knows the power of that with a coach that seems to be really loved by the players. Jason, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. Anytime. Congratulations. Keep celebrating. Oh, we will. Thank you. Jason Fitz from ESPN Radio, host of First and Last and co-host of Golik and Wingo, all on ESPN Radio. So, really, there's just so many layers to this story. And I, I think of the day that uh, Masai Ujiri walked in and the vision. Uh, I would describe him as a guy who could think outside the box without destroying the box and is well aware of the value of the box. And that's not something you would say about everybody. And so when he came here, he knew he had to move some salaries out, and he did so very easily. Brought in some talent uh, to uh, support the bench. Uh, actually brought in a bench. They didn't have one before. Uh, but the player development story is uh, way ahead of its time. Most NBA teams spend, they draft, uh, they go up and down, and, and that's just the, the plate. But this guy came up with a new template. You develop, you manage your assets, you give it a, a good, healthy run. There's five years there where there was disappointment after disappointment in the playoffs, but some great regular seasons. That five-year window said, it's time to make the moves. The moves are not easily made. Franchise player moves out. Coach of the year moves out. You backfill. You add Gasol at the trade deadline. It all works. And here we are. I mean, that is just a, that, that's a book and a half. That's unbelievable. Uh, just the thought process there and the support from the ownership, which is important because that doesn't always happen. You have general managers in situations where they're precarious, they're insecure, they do things to perpetuate themselves, they kill the franchise, and away we go. The cycle continues. That guy's out, new guy comes in, and it just keeps spinning around like that. So literally everybody in this organization, top to bottom, should be congratulated because uh, you know, there's, there's obviously some, some smart, forward-thinking people, but there's a lot of support there, and don't underestimate support. This is Raptor Shootaround, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, also available on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. And bad mistakes, I've made a few. Who cares, guy?
Alaska. You never get tired of that one, do you? I mean, you watch everybody do this, and then one day it's you. What a thrill that is. All I could say is, ba-ba-ba-boom, Guess what? 12-20, pencil it in. Jeff O'Neill, O-Dog, 9-2 will be by to play Yes Guy, No Guy, Raptors Championship Edition. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, now, my spies have told me that this man literally pulled in his driveway 20 minutes ago. And I, you know, I, we're going to go to another source to verify. Akil Augustine is with us from NBA TV. Akil, is that true? Yes, guy. Oh, wow. <laughs> Listen to those pipes. A little rusty. <laughs> a little, a little, a little. <laughs> so tell us about your night. What exactly happened? You were at Jurassic Park. Take us through all of this. Well, okay, so Jurassic Park kicks things off. Well, we get the people started. We get the people going. It's provocative. They love it. And then um, Drizzy Drake came through, hopped on the stage. For me personally, um, I'm very invested in the game of basketball. I've based my life on it. And, um, I got a lot of real close friends that well, we spent our entire lives trying to make basketball popular in Toronto. So I actually exited stage left. And, uh, I went I found my friends. Uh, the 15 of us sat together. Um, at the Museum of Contemporary Art with MGD, and we had a blast watching the game, one of the most tumultuous viewing experiences I've ever had since they rebooted Star Wars. Hmm. And then um, we hopped in the cars, and we drove towards Young and Dundas, which was probably the best drive of my life. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't done the Golden Mile yet, but driving through the streets, high-fiving strangers, hanging out the window of my boy's car, watching fireworks go off above the city skyscrapers. And we, we found a parking spot, luckily enough, by the Greyhound bus station at Young and Dundas. And then we, from there, we hoofed it on foot. And um, it was a long, long trek, just because of the amount of stopping you're doing, being a native of Toronto, and being a guy who's out about the city. I saw about seven thousand people I knew and exchanged fives and hugs and talked about the game, got to Young and Dundas. It was impossible to even penetrate the crowd. I'm not the tallest guy in the world at 5'8", so I saw a lot of shoulders and back when I got there. <laughs> um, and then from there, man, the people took over, and I really just stood back and took it in because, you know, I mean, um, it was it's a lot to take in. If, um, you know, it, uh, for certain people, it's like, you didn't think basketball would get to the stage that it's at in the city. And a lot of people I know and who have helped me out in my life have put themselves in positions to promote the game. And I think for all those people, it was, for me, it was like just, you know, acknowledging them, acknowledging, you know, all the Isaiah Thomases who came to have the Glenn Grunwalds, you know, my boys, my dad, all the AAU coaches, the grassroots people, the people running summer camps and clinics, all the high school coaches, all the, all the salespeople the first time the Raptors came out who tried to sell the brand to corporate people who didn't understand the impact, all the new immigrants who decided that the Toronto Raptors were going to be their team when they got here. It was for everybody. So that was my experience. And it was, it was um, I don't know, it was, it was unreal. I like the road you went down there because, I mean, bas- basketball was invented by a Canadian. Basketball has been part of the school curriculum at all levels for decades and decades and decades. And there's always been a lot of, like, local participation, people playing. Um, Eastern Commerce, I remember when I was at City TV in the early 80s, they had a good basketball program. Uh, there's a, there was always, you know, in various communities, a good local program, but it had nowhere to go. Um, and, and now this is sort of like tapping into a, a natural resource that was unused, and suddenly it's very very valuable and it, it all comes together it speaks to the diversity of the city uh, and, and a lot of these uh, the 
people that moved to this country have basketball in their countries. I mean, it's it's a really nice sort of tie-in story, isn't it? Well, you just put a nice tie-in story there for me. You talked about the Easter Commerce basketball program. I came to Toronto uh, from from Trinidad and New York uh, probably when I was like eight. And to be honest with you, Timmy and Mars, the head coach of uh, the Eastern Commerce men's team, which mm. is the greatest high school basketball team ever known to Canada, um, they babysat me. I was a water boy for that team. So that was my introduction to Toronto. So as a kid coming to Toronto, I thought basketball was all living at Don Lands and Papin Danforth, living by Regent Park and Flemmo. Um, basketball was everything in those neighborhoods. So it was news to me as I grew up that this wasn't you know, the game here. Because when I came here, you know, and one of the guys on that team, a good close personal friend of mine, someone who came, who's my dad and his dad were best friends back in Trinidad. Jamal McGlure was mm. on that team, the star of that team. He's also the backbone of that coaching staff, the tough guy, the guy that works with the things on this Toronto Raptors championship team. There's so many corollaries and connections that you hit me on the head. Basketball, high school basketball, when I got here was big. And, and, and now AAU basketball here, but we're like the next biggest hotbed after California and Chicago. So, I mean, it's, it's wow. Yeah, I mean, it was always there, right? It was a participation sport. Uh, there's obviously some some pretty unique talent, but it just didn't seem to funnel anywhere. And then, you know, you can go through the history lesson. The Raptors show up, Vince Carter shows up, and now this. And uh, it just, it, it sort of has tied in. It's like uh, understanding you have a, a sort of a natural resource that, that nobody knows about, and suddenly the world catches up to you, and, and you have an abundance of it, and uh, suddenly it's it's not such a surprise. It's kind of a weird story that way, isn't it? Yeah, it's super weird how, like, you know, to hear to hear Adam Silver say, you know, basketball invented in Canada by a Canadian, by a Canadian first game played in Toronto. Yeah, you know, it, it just in hindsight you feel like it should have happened, but before this all happened, I don't think any of us, you know, played this scenario out in our heads of going to Young and Dundas of of, of waking up tired the next morning because you watched your team take out arguably the greatest, if not the second greatest collection of basketball players after the 96 Bulls ever assembled. And, um, yeah, man, I'm just happy to be here. Yeah, it's funny. and You can go back. I think we're both triggering mem- memories. And so one of the very first shows we did on Raptor Shootaround was we had John Bithove on, uh, and he was the original owner, original applicant for the franchise. Shout out to John yeah. Bithove. And so, I mean, it does, for all that stuff that's there, it still takes somebody with vision and, and some financing to make it happen. Um, you know, the the, uh, the NBA in, in Toronto is an absolute no-brainer. It has historic, historic references, and yet it just sat there, much like the, you know, the basketball program's along uh, in the city of Toronto and, and all other high school programs and, and amateur programs that go coast to coast in this country. And it just it just wasn't time, but now it certainly is. Oh, the, clock, the bell's rung. The yeah. bell has been rung, and I'm just so excited to see what happens next because I think Toronto's like what, one of four super cities, and I don't think the other four super cities have, have had a championship except for L.A. maybe in recent history, right? And um, it's going to be interesting how this plays out economically for the city, um, just for the diaspora. Just I, I, I'm excited. This could be one of those landmark moments. Shouts out to Drake. Shouts out to the mayor. Shouts out to everyone who's put the city in a position to be successful. Shouts out to the people trying to expand the subway system. Because I think along with the championship and expanded subway system and some celebrities, we keep doing our thing in the film industry. This city is 
this city's the best, man. Oh yeah, no question about that. And and you know, to to have a a, a city with a story like that turn into a national story, and that can't happen all the time. I mean, the Raptors are the only team in the country. When the Blue Jays did this, the Expos were around, and so there's a divide there. But this, I mean, literally, uh, what you saw, maybe not on the same scale, but you know, variations of it, coast to coast in this country, and and literally every community. That is a complete one-off. Yeah, and I think the biggest evidence of that are those mini Jurassic Parks. Like, yeah. What the hell is going <laughs> on? Regina filled a football stadium. You know, like, it's crazy. Vancouver's got to get their act together and let the people back into the streets. But um, I know what happened there wasn't yeah. what they wanted. But, you know, trust the people. Give them that opportunity. Uh, I want to send a huge shout-out to um, Toronto Police and uh, to the local authorities and government. I think um, there's a lot of fear of what's going to happen. And in this day and age, large gatherings are something that there's a lot of trepidation around. But I think that everybody involved um, did their part to ensure the safety of all Torontonians. But above that, it allowed Torontonians to have a moment to celebrate and not you know, be looking over their shoulders. Maybe they gave a little bit too much space, but I'm thankful for it. And to those people that disrespect the opportunity given to us by our police chief and, and by the people um, who set up everything in the streets from the pylons and the street cones, I think um, I hope that social media gets them. But this is, uh, I don't know, man, I'm probably rambling on. It's, no, no, no. It's, it's uh, a rough day to talk to me. There's <laughs> so much going on in my head. No, I, I like the road you went down there. I mean, we've had so many reasons to look over our shoulder. Uh, in the last 25 years, that it's it's nice and, and you know very isolated events and, and of small of, of nature and, and not of uh, general concern to the general public, but yeah. but but just nice to be able to enjoy something without fear of whatever the unknown, I guess. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, man. This, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> You're having a great time. Uh, so I, I guess the ultimate question that we'll get to after the parade is. Where does this go? And, and just because of the people involved in this and, and the way they think and, and the positive nature of how they come up with solutions and, and come up with new ideas, pretty optimistic here, isn't it? You think about it. I mean, going into this year, the talk was, oh, my gosh, rental <laughs> player, guys going to be expiring contracts. Um, you know, some people were mentioning rebuild after this year. And now it's like, okay, well... No, it turns out that this team's put themselves in quite an amazing position financially. Um, they put themselves in an amazing position marketing-wise. Can we give a shout-out to the Weezer North marketing campaign? Yeah. Great marketing goes a long way, and you pair winning with a slogan and an identity that people can you know can can identify with is is crazy. So the Toronto Raptors brand is hot. Like it's, Toronto Raptors guys are worth. Uh, $0.3 billion more than the Toronto Maple Leafs. You, you <laughs> tell me that last year I wouldn't believe you. Five years ago I would have laughed at you. Ten years ago I would have checked you in a mental hospital. Fifteen years ago I don't know what we would have done to you. <laughs> So that's crazy. It is, but that's reality, as they say. <laughs> Akil, thanks very much. Hope uh, you, you get some rest. Not that, it, that uh, there's a danger of that happening in the next 24 hours, but enjoy. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you. Yes, guy. Yes, guy. Well done. Akil Augustine from NBA TV gave us a really nice view of what his night was like, and he was at the center of the hurricane, if you will. Uh, we have been uh, told that Dwayne Watson will join us next, uh, my co-host on Raptors coverage. And what a thrill it was. There's a lot of stuff that, that means a lot to me here that I'm just going to drop in as it comes up uh, to reconnect and re-establish uh, a working relationship with Dwayne Watson over the last uh, two months was an absolute thrill for me. We just get along so well and have a lot of fun doing the games. And uh, he's uh, on his way back from Oakland and uh, has cut us some time uh, in the morning, which is, what, 7.38 over there. So uh, he will be with us next. This is Raptors Shootaround, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. Also available on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. Yes, guys. Let's celebrate. Okay, guys. Yes, yes, guys. Raptor shoot around continues. Very pleased to have with us, and I'm sure he's a little groggy because, uh, well, he was out in the town last night, and the town was Oakland. Dwayne Watson, Dwayne, how are you, sir? Hello, Dwayne. Wow, guess he fell asleep. <laughs> well, rehook uh, with uh, Dwayne Watson, who is uh, going to report to us from Oakland. He was on scene as the Raptors won their NBA title last night. I was thinking that when I knew he was going to be on the show that uh, our relationship would be uh, in a book entitled From Rudy Gay and JV Waving for the Ball in the Corner to This, because that's, um, you know, we started to do these games in the 12-13 season. Uh, I left after the 15-16 season and was lucky enough to return for this run, but there's a lot of um, growing pains uh, along the way in terms of the Raptors. There's some big moments there and some big disappointments, but uh, uh, not to worry now. That's all gone by the wayside. Is Dwayne with us now? Hello, Dwayne. Timber. Yes, Guy. How are you? My friend, I'm very excited. <laughs> I've had three hours sleep, by the way. Uh, um, just a minute. Let's get the violin music out. <laughs> I'll give you context in case I'm not fully there. Um, I missed you last night, my friend. Well, I was thinking of you. That's for sure. I mean, yeah. yeah, okay. yeah I was, it, okay, right. I want you to listen to this. Cue the I, music. Poor Dwayne. He was stuck oh, in Oakland wow. last night. He had to celebrate with the world champion Toronto Raptors. The poor man has had no sleep. <laughs> And yet he's happy. What does that mean? <laughs> oh, man. Jim. You know, I don't know where to start. It was last night. I mean, the game itself was... Oh, that's something, isn't it? Oh, boy. <laughs> like, to think about the game itself actually takes me back. But, you know, the, the Raptors fans in Oracle were incredible. They were loud. The, the, fans, the Warriors fans... Oracle were allowed. The game, you know, went down to the wire, of course. And Kawhi. One thing that was really interesting was Kawhi finally let the emotion out. Yeah. You know, in terms of like this moment and you know and winning and uh I hosted a a post game show on the Raptors uh Twitter account with Zach and Leo, Matt, Rod Black, Sherm, Paul Jones and Leo and Jack were talking about how Kawhi wouldn't stop talking. <laughs> they had him. They had him at the post game, and they're like, "Who is this guy? He wouldn't give up the mic." Um, so you know, I think like he's always been cool and reserved. And, you know, he has no more games left. And he's finally let it out, and so that was like two hours after the game had ended. We had done that, uh, packed up, went to the hotel, and then got invited to where the team and the staff and their families were celebrating, and. It was at a steakhouse, and you know everyone was there, and the energy was incredible. And you know Kyle was there, Kawhi was there, a number, a number of the players were there. And a colleague of mine was like, 
you see Kyle and Kawhi? I'm like, yeah, I saw them sitting over there in that booth. And I think Kawhi's wife and Kyle's, maybe his brother were there. And he's like, you know what they're doing? I go, no, I, I kind of left them to themselves. He's like, they were looking at film. <laughs> I'm like, they're looking at game film? It was hours after the championship, and they were still looking at game film. And I think, you know, that's Kawhi. And if, if Kawhi's passing on to Kyle, I think that's, that's incredible that they're so invested in the game and what they've done to kind of still be looking for more. Um, but, you know, you could feel the weight and energy off of everyone for something that we've done. And I, I, I kind of miss being in Toronto and seeing how, how happy and exciting, excited everyone was. But you could feel with the team and the coaches and the staff and the personnel. And there was a ton of Raptors fans in the arena, and they were, they were like, they were chaining, we're not leaving because they didn't want to leave. They, they wanted the moment to continue. And, and just seeing all the media kind of really give it to us. Like, everyone was like, hey, congrats. You guys did it. You guys deserved it. You earned it. You guys haven't done this since 93. Like, it was, it was something, man. Yeah, you know, I think sometimes, uh, you know, when you go through this, you, you realize it's sort of like a defining moment in a positive nature. Uh, there's so many years of frustration, things don't work out. And, and so you realize that it's a, it's a rare occasion when it actually does work out with a championship. And then you realize how many things have to go right. You just, I think it's a humbling moment because you appreciate the good fortune. And in this particular case, uh, this level of good fortune is, you know, there's there's all the stories that relate to the franchise, the team, the management, the, the families of all that, and, 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 you know, all those people that are fortunate enough to cover the team. But right across the country, uh, a lot of celebrations, a lot of huge gatherings of people uh, with, you know, minor incidents. And in the world we live in today, to be able to say that a coast to coast across an entire nation without fear of whatever, and I don't even want to get into what you'd be afraid of, that is a remarkable statement. No, without question. And I think, you know, we know that the Raptors are the only Canadian team in the country. And, and not to take anything away from hockey, but you have hockey, t- hockey towns and, ho- and NHL teams in different cities. Sure. So, like, if a Canadian team wins the Cup, it's not going to be this level of magnitude across the country, right? And you're right. No incidents. And, and it's a true celebration in the sense where everyone is just really happy and excited for what's happened and what's been done. And, I mean, this is 16 wins to win a championship. And Jim, remember after they lost to Orlando, yeah. game one, yeah. <laughs> everyone was like, here we go again, right? And, and to think how much has changed and how, how this team has persevered and Fred played so big last night. I mean, like, there's so many things you could talk about. And, you know, you say this, you always say the complete effort. And I think that's the one thing I really loved about this team is because, and I've talked about it too when talking with these guys, you've got your big guns, but... You've got other guys who step up, and you know, like like this is a balanced squad. And I mean, you saw them show up last night. You know, there's there's a lot of book titles I could come up with, and it would end with and now this. And while we were trying to reconnect with you, uh, the book title for you and me would be: It started with Rudy Gay and JV waving for the ball in the corner, and now this. Uh, and you, you remember that we did those preseason games, and, and the poor guy was off to the side trying to can a three. He was literally waving his arms, and Rudy Gay would look him off. And I, I thought, wow, this is just never going to work out. And of course, both of them have moved on, but but the the franchise did find a way. And there's a lot of stories like that. You could say Freddie V was never drafted, and now this in the key game, 22 points off the bench, and a real going concern for the Warriors that they couldn't really solve. Uh, Pascal Siakam, new to the game, and now this i mean there's there's so many book titles it's unbelievable yeah there's so many and i mean think about fred specifically he was literally useless in the philly series right like he they couldn't he couldn't contribute he couldn't play uh he couldn't defend the bigger guys he wasn't making shots and you know like 
that's what's so crazy about this team. The young guys like Freddie and Pascal and Norm at points, I mean, like, these guys all showed up in these moments where it's very easy to shy away. I mean, you're playing against the Warriors. You're playing against Philly, who was probably the toughest team we played in the playoffs, if you think about it, in terms of how that series went and how the matchups were. And everyone shined. Nick Nurse, I mean, the list goes on, but you're right. There's so many titles for this chapter that's just closed for this team and this country and this city. And even, like, how it elevated the game of basketball in this country, too, as we all know. Well, this story, this franchise means a lot to you. You've invested a lot of time and a lot of concern and care into it. So when you were, was there a moment last night where you looked around and went, wow, this really happened? You know, it's funny. I think that I was kind of waiting for that. I was, I was really waiting for that moment to happen because I think based on my perspective and kind of being close to certain things, you don't, you know, you've been around a lot. You've, you've been a lot about a lot of championship moments, and you kind of, I don't want to say you're kind of, you're so you're a little, you're, your perspective is different than other people, so you're kind of like, I don't want to say jaded, but it takes a little bit more. But I kind of think being in the presence of those players and just seeing how happy they were last night and, and just, you know, that, that they could just exhale and let go. And, you know, you see it in the locker room after and the showers. Um but they've had a bit to reflect on it, and they just the just joy and happiness of the hard work. And I and then I'm I'm like, wait a minute, I'm here in this moment with them, and this is what's happened. And then I'm like, wow, this is crazy. But even talking with, you know, Leo and Jack and, and Matt and Rod and Sherman Paul, they've they've seen yeah. they've seen it all. I mean, I, I've seen it as a fan as well as a media person, but they've been working with this team since day one, and. Same trials and wishes we talk about, David. There, so hearing them kind of their happiness and joy for that experience is good too, as well. So, wow, it's, it's been incredible, man. It's, it's, it's such a great ride. Okay, you're off the air now. Can you tell us anything that happened last night? Oh, I'm, I'm off. Okay, great. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> well, I tried. <laughs> hey, hey, I'll, I'll fill you in. Don't worry, Tim. No. But um, <laughs> hey, I mean. Uh, it's honestly, you're, you're in my eyes, like you're a legend, Mr. Taddy. And oh, I, you don't have to do that. Thank you. No, I very no, appreciate no, it. I, no, I have to say that because, you know, working with you, I've watched you, you know, for, you know, I don't want to date you, but, you know, you've been around for a good while. I've been around for a few decades, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, just, just working with you in this experience has been crazy. And, and you know, talking basketball and having fun and getting to know you has been, like, incredible. Not that it's over, but I just no. Well, who knows what happens next, but but I do appreciate that, and I want you to know it was an absolute thrill for me to reconnect with you and work with you again after what we went through uh, with the, the first three or four years uh, with the franchise. To be able to be here at this moment with you is special for me, too. Agreed. I mean, well, that's another, that's another title for the book. Yes, it is. <laughs> I didn't even say yes, guy, this whole interview. <laughs> well, you can now. Let's do it together on the count of three. One, two, three. Yes, yes guy. guy. Wow, that's done. well done. Thanks, Dwayne. Appreciate it. Take care, Joe. That is Dwayne Watson reporting to us from Oakland, where he had a big night with the Toronto Raptors. Coming up next, Steve Simmons. This is Raptors Shootaround, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca.